Hello. Welcome to the ATS RCMB podcast. My name is Moor Soller. Today we have Dr. Suzanne Clunin, an assistant professor of medicine at Cornell Medical School. Dr. Clunin is a leading expert on mitochondrial biology in the lung. You should also know that Dr. Clunin is leading a postgraduate course at ATS this year called Are Your Mitochondria Happy? A Beginner's Guide to Assessing Mitochondrial Dysfunction at the Bench, which will be taking place Friday the 18th of May. Spots are limited. Today, she will be speaking with us about the role of mitochondrial dysfunction in the pathogenesis of lung disease. So, Dr. Cluden, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So, so there's been a lot of interest in mitochondria recently, and this year at ATS, there's going to be a special mitochondrial focus uh, by the RCFB assembly. So, can you remind people what mitochondria are, what they do, and why they might be important? Sure, yeah. Um, well, first can I say I'm super excited that uh, the ATS have chosen this as a basic core for this year. I've been waiting a long time for um, for mitochondria to come into the limelight. Um, so, not to be too biased, but mitochondria are my uh, favorite organelle in the cell. Um, they are, in my opinion, the most important. Uh, they're a distinguishing feature of nearly every eukaryotic cell. Um, not only because we inherit them, from our mums, but because they're a central hub for energy metabolism inside the cell. So they produce the bulk of ATP needed for our cells to live, and they consume glucose, fatty acids, amino acids, and glutamine. Um, and so they do all of these pretty cool jobs to keep our cells up and running, give them enough energy to do what they need to do. In the last 10 years, we've discovered that these organelles are not just these energy um, powerhouses, inside the cell, but that they're dynamic sensing systems where they communicate with other cellular compartments, such as the nucleus. They can also help in the regulation of the innate immune system. Um, and they've also been shown to release signaling molecules that may play a role in cell-to-cell signaling systemically um, in the body. Great. So, 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 you know, I remember learning about mitochondria when I was in high school. What's happened recently uh, that has allowed people to, to, to start studying this, this organelle again? So I think we're in a meta, metabolomics, if you can say it, um, era. Um, and with the arrival of state-of-the-art things like genomics, metabolomics, and new ways to measure and visualize the activity of these little organelles, um, it's really changed the way we've looked at them. Um, so for example, in high school, we were taught that a mitochondrion was this sort of bean-like structured organelle with very uh, structured cristae and a matrix inside, um, and it, was, it sort of seemed like it was a static organelle just sitting there. But in the last 10 years, thanks to high-powered confocal microscopy and some of the technologies I mentioned above, we can now visualize these organelles in real time, so we can see that they're actually a dynamic network. So they, they form a network in most cells, like a, sort of like a net, um, and they come in all shapes and sizes, and they can spread out like a web in the cell. Um, they're constantly touching and contracting or dividing. Um, they can exchange contents with each other. They can release signaling molecules. Um, and they can divide. Um, and they can repopulate themselves. Um, so they, they basically can alter their shape and activity in response to their environment. So they're much more, um, much deeper than we originally thought. I mean, we originally thought that these were very primitive organelles because they originally thought to come from bacteria. But actually, they do so much inside the cells that we hadn't realized before. So what have you learned about mitochondria and their dysfunction in lung diseases? So 
What's interesting when you think about mitochondria, and this is another way we have to kind of change our way of thinking about it, is that every cell in the lung may have different amounts of mitochondria. They may have, they may look a little bit different. They may be a different shape. Um, and so, if you if you think about when how this relates to disease, um, you can take, for example, a ciliated epithelial cell. We know to be important for the mucociliary escalator to help keep the lung free from pathogens and um, pollutants, for example, but those ciliated epithelial cells contain a lot of mitochondria, and they need this, their mitochondria to keep the cilia beating, um, and so they require a lot of ATP um, and for other things inside the ciliated epithelial cell. But in a type 1 epithelial cell, which we know is important for gaseous exchange, they actually have very little mitochondria, if not uh, no mitochondria. I mean, if you go back to the literature from the 1950s and 60s and you look at some of these electron microscopy images of, of type 1 epithelial cells, you'll see that they have very little mitochondria. Whereas a type 2 cell, again, has lots of mitochondria because it needs mitochondria to help produce lipids that are important for surfactant synthesis. And so if you think about lung disease, you can kind of see, well, if you alter mitochondrial function in any one of these types of lung cells, you may alter the response of these lung cells um, and make them dysfunctional, which can then contribute to disease pathogenesis. So if, if the mitochondrial system is messed up in any, you know, any one of these cells, for example, in a ciliated epithelial cell, then the cilia may not work the correct way, and that the mucociliary uh, escalator is disrupted in the lung, and this contributes to the development of COPD. Um, in IPF, we know from some really nice studies recently by you and Kaminsky and Patel Morse and Bueno Mora that mitochondrial dysfunction in epithelial cells also contributes to the pathogenesis of um, IPF, or idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Um, and there's been literally a burst of literature in the last five to ten years where there's nearly you know, 2,000 or more publications in the last five years where there was only 2,000 publications on mitochondria in the lung in the prior 60 years. So um, this whole field has really exploded. Um, and so we, it, we can't really think of it as, um, uh, you know, mitochondria damage generally seems to be bad in any cell, but we have to think of it in a cell-to-cell -cell context. So in, in a different disease, an alteration in some sort of mitochondrial function may cause that particular cell to behave a little bit differently. And we see this kind of conundrum in uh, the case of this process called mitophagy, which is essentially the way a cell gets rid of its damaged mitochondria by a process called autophagy. And so we see in um, IPF, for example, that um, mitophagy is downregulated. It seems to be lost in epithelial cells of IPF patients and in model systems for IPF, whereas in COPD patients in the epithelial cells, mitophagy seems to be activated but dysregulated. So we, there's a lot of it there, but it doesn't seem to be doing the job it's supposed to do. And so we, you know, this some sort of kind of seems like the opposite where mitophagy is lost in IPF, whereas it's increased in COPD, but actually it's kind of the same thing because they're both dysfunctional. They both have sort of lost the ability to um, efficiently remove damaged or dysfunctional mitochondria, and so that can then lead to the development of, of some of these lung diseases. So, so somehow these mitochondria become dysfunctional, and via different ways uh, they can all lead yeah. to lung disease. Yeah, for example, so in COPD, the exposure of cigarette smoke, we know cigarette smoke contains 
thousands upon thousands of pretty toxic chemicals that may, um, well, not may, they do uh, inhibit the function of mitochondria and cause mitochondrial dysfunction. They, they affect how the mitochondria produces ATP. They f- affect how the mitochondria produces reactive oxygen species um, and mitochondrial danger signals. Now, now, you've done some really great work yourself on mitochondria and COPD. Can you tell us a little about that? Well, yeah, sure. Well, it all started with my mentor, Dr. Augustine Choi. So I did my postdoctoral research in his laboratory. And, um, we, you know, in, in addition to looking at other cellular mechanisms of dysfunctional COPD, we also uh, really focused in on the mitochondria. And we had a very talented postdoc in the lab, Kenji Mizumura, who was interested in the whole role of mitophagy in um, epithelial cells and COPD. And I just explained a little bit about that before. But what we see is that mitophagy um, is increased in COPD. Um, it, it most likely is dysfunctional in that the damaged mitochondria, this is so many damaged mitochondria that the activation of mitophagy is turned on to help clear these mitochondria but just can't deal with the amount of mitochondria that are there and it eventually leads to cell death. Um, And so that was um, a couple of years ago when my interest started in mitochondria. But I kind of then, um, later in my postdoctoral training, kind of um, came to it from another angle where uh, we had identified a a COPD susceptibility gene uh, whereby patients in familial cohorts with COPD had a SNP in this uh, iron regulatory protein Um, and we know iron to be very important in cellular metabolism and actually uh, the most important place inside the cell for iron metabolism is the mitochondrion and so uh, we wanted to see if this COPD susceptibility gene IRP2 how it contributes to the development of COPD and one of the mechanisms we identified for that was its role in regulating how much iron gets into and out of the mitochondria. And what we see in COPD patients, um, well, in, in, in cellular models and in, in vivo marine models of COPD, we see that um, mitochondrial iron is dramatically increased um, and then most likely contributes to the demise of the cell. So if you have too much mitochondrial iron or too little mitochondrial iron, your cells don't do very well because um, mitochondria are the main central site for heme synthesis inside the cell. And so you don't get any heme production, you don't get any iron sulfur clusters, which are important for various enzymes in the cell. And so if you have too little or too much mitochondrial iron, you um, will essentially induce cellular death. And so we showed that in uh, lung epithelial cells, and we were able to alleviate that mitochondrial iron overload in lung epithelial cells using a really nice um, intracellular iron chelator called deferoprone. Um, and we were able to show that when we gave deferoprone to our, we used it in our in vivo models that our um, marine models um, got better after uh, cigarette smoke. So they resolved their inflammation. And we're currently evaluating <clears throat> how this drug works and if it, would, if it would be beneficial in the development of emphysema. And we're also trying to see if we can nebulize this drug to make it more um, targeted to the lung specifically. Well, that's some amazing work. And hopefully, and hopefully you know, there'll be some, some uh, hope for patients with COPD. As, there's, as, as sure you know, there's not, not many you know, good therapeutics for that, for that disorder. Yeah. I know. Um, all right, anyway, and, and so the last question I was going to ask you, I, I should have asked you this before, but, but I didn't know what you wanted to talk about, so what I should ask you. So, Dr. Clunin, uh, how did you end up studying mitochondria? 
So I ended up studying mitochondria in Dr. Choi's lab um, when I started my postdoctoral training. However, I have always had a bit of a passion for mitochondria. That doesn't sound too nerdy. Um, I'm, if you haven't guessed already, I'm Irish. I did my um, degree in biochemistry and my PhD in biochemistry in Trinity College Dublin. And my interest and fascination with mitochondria started from a lecture that I had in my undergraduate years called Mike McKillen. And he lectured us on the role of mitochondria in plants um, and discussed the chemiosmotic theory because that was one of the first um, observations of how mitochondria respire um, in plants. And so then after that, for my PhD, I focused a little bit on mitochondria and my studies related to um, more cancer biology. And then when I moved to Dr. Choi's lab in Boston, I really got to study it in human disease. Fantastic. From plants to COPD. Unbelievable. Well, Dr. Clooney, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Mar, for the invitation. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the ATSRCMB podcast. Tune in next time for more exciting guests and cutting-edge lung biology.